Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. This episode will be discussing the video games of 1994, and I'm Michael, John's on the other side, and this is where I step back and let John take over. And I'm waving like an idiot as if I'm on <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, 1994 is a pretty stacked year, so I cut a lot of stuff and I'm simplifying a lot of things because if not, we would be talking for hours. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so, on your end of it, Michael, if you, uh, if you start, if you want to have a longer discussion about something, we can. I don't have as extensive notes this time. Oh, right? yes, because I'm known for my self-control and listening to you. <laughs> well, we'll start with, uh, the company never stopped is formed. Uh, you all know him only, mostly because of uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater. But, you know, he did uh, game, uh, Guitar Heroes and Call of Duty games. But primarily, if you look at them, they pretty much just made Tony Hawk Pro Skater games their entire, the entire time they existed. Uh, we also got our first look at Nintendo's Project Reality. I'm trying to remember, that, is that the virtual reality one? Uh, it was rebranded the Ultra 64. Oh, really? It was called the Reality? I didn't know that. Yeah, and I remember it as Ultra 64 before it became Nintendo 64. Yeah, yeah. But we were given our first... And I'm kind of surprised it was this early. They were given the peak at Nintendo's next-gen console, but then again, I think that hit like 96 or 97, so... It's so funny. Everybody talks about how Genesis was going through so many, like, so much turmoil, not deciding on what system, and they're bouncing around a lot. Nobody ever mentions that Nintendo did almost the same level of like, we don't know what we're doing next. Let's just throw whatever against the wall and see what sticks. But they didn't fail like Genesis or like Sega did. So therefore, it's not really talked about. Yeah, uh, come on, Virtual Boy. Well, yeah. and they, and they fucked yeah. up with PlayStation. Well, that yeah, that too. And well, <clears throat> or licensing um, out the games to CDI. <laughs> yeah, that. Oh man, those games. <laughs> but, and but one of the other things, officially, the ESRB was formed. Uh, we talked about in the last show about the, uh, the Senate hearings and all that stuff. So officially, this is the year the ESRB was formed. So now we have video game rating. Uh, Sega released the 32X, the Sega Nomad, and Sega Channel in the U.S. <laughs> I remember now, the Sega Channel. Um, that was a very big thing on our campus. None of us could afford it, but they promoted it like crazy. We knew one guy who had it. That was like a cable-fed version of uh, what we do you know, with online now. Yeah. Sega was always forward-thinking. The problem is they were way, they're forward-thinking way too early for it to actually be worth doing. Right. Well, plus they were warring with Sega Japan, which were much more conservative with trying new things. Yeah, and that's like, like you said, this was an attempt at online gaming. It was through Time Warner Cable. You'd go and pay a subscription to the service, and then you'd get access to Genesis games, demos, even cheat codes. And it, most of the games were Sega exclusives, or at least uh, Sega developed licenses. But uh, there are some cases where some games are like just too big for the service. Like, right, say, right. Yeah, well, I mean, you could get like Comic Zone or um, Vector Man, because those are too new and too difficult. So, yeah, it seemed like it was more basic games that were fed. I can't remember. Like, I remember playing De Desert Strike and Jungle Strike a lot. Well, it's like one thing that they did put on there but it didn't work very well was uh, Super Street Fighter 2 because content ended up being cut and it just was barely remotely playable because of that but you also like I said uh, the 32X happened which was their plug-in conflict because everybody was trying to get to the next you know next stage we're at 16 bit the next one is 32 we talked about uh the Atari uh, Jaguar, which lied about being a 64-bit console. Right, right. You know, they could have been content with just 32. You know, no one else was really there. But no, they had to jump and then fuck with everybody. If they had just been 32, and also, I don't know, maybe focus on some better quality games, but they didn't have the big pockets, 
I just think that it would be better remembered. Oh, yeah. But the 32X was uh, this attachment that you plugged onto your Genesis that could play 32-bit, well, faux 32-bit games. And what kind of sucked about it was for some of those games, you had to have a Sega CD. So 32X was an expensive piece of hardware. Your Sega CD was an expensive piece of hardware. You want to run the shit proper? You're shelling out some money. Yeah, is wasn't there literally a 32x CD combo thingy that you had to play a game together with both? Yeah, I don't remember which game specifically that was, but I mean, but the only thing that was worthwhile on 32x, you had uh, Star Wars Arcade, which was an updated port of that of the old arcade title. My favorite arcade game of all time. You had a decent uh, port of Virtua Fighter. And Knuckles Chaotic, which uh, it's a Sonic spinoff with characters that, if you're a hardcore Sonic fan, you know who they are, and no one else has yeah. any idea who the fuck these people are. I think, I think one of them, there's a bee, and there's like a crocodile with headphones. <laughs> what, what they're called, I had no clue. And then there was the Nomad, which was a portable Sega Genesis but was also very expensive and had shitty battery life. That's what I was going to think. If you're running Genesis on a handheld, it's going to eat batteries like crazy. And this is before we had, like, USB or, I don't know, like, packs of rechargeable stuff. It, it seemed like you, you would go through a lot of rechargeable batteries even back then because they didn't they weren't, what, nickel cadmium back then, I think? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, they didn't hold as much of a charge. Yeah, it's like, and I had a Genesis, uh, not Genesis, I had a Game Gear, which sucked batteries like no one's business, and this is worse. But, you know, uh, this is this is the era of Sega starting to make very questionable business decisions. Business decisions. It's so, wow. They were so close, too, to really competing, like really competing with Nintendo, and they just, it just blew up in their face. And then finally, for business news... In Japan, and we're not going to go too much into this one, but Sega released the Saturn, and Sony released the PlayStation. Wow, I didn't realize they released in 94. I thought it was early 95, huh? Yeah, honestly, I that, I generally thought that the PlayStation came out... Well, I think of the PlayStation as a 96 console, but it was apparently like late, last, late 95, so... Yeah, I remember the Saturn came out before the PlayStation, but not by much. And any ground that they had gained had been lost by that fall. Oh, this, we'll talk about the Saturn launch. Uh, okay, on the next, <laughs> yeah, next year. On the next show, that's a, that's a story. And so, in the arcades, we got King of Fighters 94, which I somewhat think I mentioned at some point when we were talking about, like, Art of Fighting or yeah. Metal Gear. But it's, the, it's a mashup game that they did it became a franchise all of its own. I genuinely have no idea who plays these games because they still keep coming out, and I don't know a single person who does them. I Alexa. tried playing. I tried playing this game on my emulator last week, and it's just the emulator is just not powerful enough. It shut down constantly. Yeah, the, the King of Fighters games are fun. Don't get me wrong, but this is '94 when it started, and I want to say 2018 or 19 was like the, when the last one came out. Maybe that's a really long. I mean, I know the game. I think you even had a, a low-budget movie of it, but I just it seems weird that that still is one of the cult-following games. It doesn't seem like it's that revolutionary. Yeah, no, it, it's not. It was just, SNK does this. Oh, uh, okay. SNK seems to have either this massive cult-following, I'm one of them, or they just don't spend a whole lot of money on the new engines, and therefore they, they just get just enough profit to continue franchises. Pretty much, you know. They, that's, they're good at maintaining their stuff because yeah like I said it's a cult following uh, Killer Instinct came out and for decades I thought this was just a console game not an actual arcade game oh no I played it in the arcade yeah but let's let's actually step back and be honest with ourselves Killer Instinct isn't that good no, it's just because I think visually it grabbed our attention I mean, most of these fighting games had new ways of uh, presenting images. I don't know, like you know, because each each one seems totally different. Because you have Capcom and uh, SNK with the heavily animated stuff. SNK was more technical fighter, 
And then we had like the virtual ones, which, you know, use the polygons. And then we had um, weird stuff like Night Stalkers. And, and then we had like that stop motion with the, what's, what's the one with the, the Primal Rage? Yeah, Clay Fighter, which is the stop motion one. Yeah, and then we had uh, Street Fighter, which is like mocap. And so it seemed like that was really pushing new technology. It was fighting games. And a lot of time you go back and you, you play them and you're like, oh, it was just because of the new style that caught my attention, not so much the gameplay. Yeah, that's the thing. The graphics, they had, they had impressive graphics for the time. It had one of the most unique rosters where you had like ninjas and cyborgs and a raptor. And, but let's be honest, the only thing that people really liked about this was the ultra combos, which if you were able to land these things, could give you hits up to like 80, you know, 80 hits on a person. Yeah. It was effectively a finishing move. But they were hard to, hard to pull off, and if you knew someone who knew how to do it, it was no longer fun to play with them because they always hit you with their ultimate. Yeah, yeah, this sucks. I, I hate playing anybody who's really good at fighting games in the arcade. It's like, well, there's my quarter instantly. Shit. And finally for the arcade, uh, Tekken came out. And basically... This is the 3D fighting game that did everything better than its peers. Right. You think about the comparison between Virtual Fighter and Tekken, and it's light years difference in, in visually, and, and fighting styles. Yeah, and it's like, okay, next year we get Virtual Fighter 2, and it's, it does look good. It's not a bad-looking game. It, they definitely learned a lot uh, from the first game and then what Tekken did. But Tekken is still leagues above what they could pull on that thing and still manages to be one of the better 3D fighting games out there. Yeah, I, if I remember correctly, this was my go-to during the fighting game era. Um, I was never really good. It was either that or Darkstalkers because I was never really good at Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat. And most of the arcades in my small town, you know, finding a fighting game that wasn't one of those two was really rare. Yeah, it's like Street Fighter. It, for me, Tekken became the franchise I really liked, aside from playing it on, on console. It was Tekken yeah, Second 3. That's, I still think that's still the pinnacle of its series. Uh, okay, for PC, Elder Scrolls Arena came out, which is the first game of the Elder Scrolls series. Okay, I was wondering what that was. Yeah, the world was filled with all these procedurally generated locations, and it had a day-night cycle. And the funny thing is, this game was supposed to just be like a straightforward fantasy arena fighting game, little RPG fighter. And then they just kind of started going, hey, but it'll be fun if you go in over there and did this. Hey, you know what? That might be a fun thing to do. And they just made it into a big side questy game. And the arena fighting thing just kind of became the, it was the end goal, but it wasn't the focus of it. And effectively, nowadays, whenever Elder Scrolls you're playing, the main story is nothing, and it's all about doing random bullshit side quests. You, they give you that sandbox to play in, and you build the story all your own. Uh, System Shock. I don't know that one either, yeah. Yeah, I've never played this one, but I know of it because it's a fucking legendary game. This is a 3D cyberpunk adventure where you're trapped on this space station that's under the control of this malevolent AI called Shodan. Oh, no, wait, no, hold on. I remember my best friend was playing this. He was big in the PC games, and so every once in a while I would catch what he was playing. Yeah, and the thing about this game is it was very non-linear. You basically had the whole run of this gigantic station well, the whole run as in, if you could solve the puzzles that kept you from going into areas then you could go in those areas but the story is told primarily through logs and terminals and stuff because they'd want to have AI uh, well, they'd want to have, I should say, NPCs running around telling you stuff they wanted to keep you isolated and creeped out and there is a spiritual spiritual sequel to this game that people know very, very well. What's that? Bioshock. Oh, wow, okay. And let's see. Marathon. Have you heard of this game? Nope. It was on the Macintosh, so it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Wii. 
would you be now knowing that it was a Macintosh only game would you believe this was considered a doom killer at the time mm, wow no that's crazy i never even heard of it this yeah it actually had a full through the full trilogy that came out from the series what um uh, and red versus blue makes uh the web series made a uh, reference to it because these people who made marathon is a little group called bungee oh okay cool made a game called halo yeah and very much a lot of what Halo is was built on the bones of Marathon. Okay. And I mean, a solid title, very good, very good shooter, but only had a Mac. Let's see, uh, Warcraft. Okay, I've heard of that one. <laughs> yeah. Here's the game that really put Blizzard on the map. Not that Blizzard hasn't done anything worthwhile since, but this awesome RTS game, little fantasy-based one, where you're either on the human side or the orc side, trying to build your little settlements before your opponents come and attack you. And it was voiced, which was a lot of fun because if you kept clicking on your uh, your people, they'd get increasingly annoyed with you. <laughs> which was the most entertaining thing to do. And as a... Uh, young PC enthusiast at that time, I pulled sound, the sound clips from that and put them into various things on my computer. Yeah. So, like, if there was an error, I would have a moment where, like, oh, instead of a bing sound, you know, if they can't do, any, do something, it'll be like, stop that. Or something like that. Just, like, to throw sound effects around just for the for fun of it. And Warcraft had, had the ability to do all that stuff. And finally for the PC, Doom 2. I think I might just leave it there. Yeah, that's it. I remember how epic it was, the wait. I remember beating it pretty much that summer. This is, yeah, was it summer? No, it just came out fall. I think I'm still thinking of the first uh, first game. But it's so weird that we used to just share games. Like just, hey, here's a, a, a hard drive. Here you go. Just put this in your in work it through DOS, you know? So strange to me. I don't know if I got the whole game at first. I think I might have had, like, the first three levels, which were given away. But uh, I remember that was just such a big deal. Wasn't there a really long gap between 2 and 3? Oh, yeah. yeah. Effectively, Doom 2 was the end of the franchise, and Doom 3 kind of, when it finally happened, it was, oh, my God, we finally get another Doom. And then it was Doom 3. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, bigger, better. Everything about Doom was made was improved to for Doom Two. There were Easter eggs like uh, there's some references to Commander Keen, and there were even like whole Wolfenstein levels that you could find. <laughs> That's cool. Was a lot. Uh, I'm gonna do a 3DO game on this show. What? Okay. Road and Track presents the Need for Speed. Oh, okay. The first game of the Need for Speed franchise was on the 3DO, and then later ported to, like, the PlayStation. That's actually how I tried it out. But it's it's a pretty good, although kind of generic, driving sim, like a little racing game. Uh, strive for realism. And so the game was kind of infotainment, because there were actual, like, commentary about the cars that you would get. Oh, interesting. You drive. Huh. And, you know, I mean... The races were nothing too special, but the biggest thing you had was, you know, you had traffic, and cops would actually get on your ass, and you could get arrested. And, you know, that became more important to the series was, oh, the, the cops, cop pursuit of your car instead of actually doing interesting racing games. The uh, the only game I remember from 3DO, and I might even have the name wrong, is like Brain Dead thirteen thirteen or something like that. I thought it was like Don Bluth like uh, Dragon's Lair Space Ace kind of game. No, I never had to play no. it, but I always thought that was, and the, the graphics looked interesting. But that's the only game I ever remember from that. Maybe Gex was Gex one of theirs. Gex was one of theirs. Yeah. Okay, and then it moved over to PlayStation, I think. Yeah. Now for Sega. Sonic 3 and Sonic and & Knuckles. 
pretty ambitious project, and their eyes were bigger than their stomach, and they couldn't fit everything onto a single cartridge. And then, also, they could make more money off of it, so, heck, let's go ahead and split it into two parts and and make the game just, you know, you can attach your Sonic 3 cartridge to the top of Sonic and Knuckles. That's pretty cool. And now, and now you get the whole game. The, uh, is this well, Peak Sonic? This is Peak Sonic. Okay. I, I think this is the last good Sonic game for a very long time. And I know people like the Sonic Adventure games that were on uh, on uh, the that other Sega console that I can't think of what it's called. But uh, uh, this is this is kind of the best that Sonic had, had has been for a very long time. Uh, it's the intro of Knuckles. It's you know basically kind of nice because when you play as Knuckles, these stages are different. Like, you're not just running through the same thing. Oh, that's cool, yeah. That's really unique. It's like, oh no, Knuckles has very specific paths he goes on. So, you start in the same area, and then all of a sudden, oh, here's a wall you can break through. Oh, now you have an entirely, totally separate uh, path, path to follow. And so the, what little story that there is in these games is different depending on who you're playing as. Okay. And then, you remember Earthworm Jim, don't you? Yup. He's an earthworm who's in a battle suit. And he's out to save uh, Princess What's-Her-Name from the <laughs> evil, and I can't, I can't find the original full name, but it's the evil queen slug for a butt. Yeah, it's such creative names. So I, the game was so fun. And uh, I remember it was really challenging, though. To this day, though, I, I, as I get older, I, I have more motion sickness with video games. So it's harder for me to watch or play any of them. But I remember, like, that was kind of groundbreaking in its animation. And I think there was a Pitfall game that used the same exact engine. And it's just so much fun to look at. And the villains are crazy. And, and it's always, like, these weird gadgets and uh, traps you have to, you know, set and, and, or break through or whatever in order to get through a, a, a phase. Or, yeah, or whatever. Was, yeah. it was, this basically was a meme factory. You know, if if there was if there were actually the internet as it was, as it as it is today back then, you'd be seeing all kinds of memes from this game. It was filled with absurdist humor. It it was a bizarre fucking game that ended up having its own cartoon. Great cartoon! Holy shit, I love that cartoon. <laughs> Let's see, uh, Castlevania Bloodlines came out. Holy crap! A non Nintendo Castlevania game. Is this where you play as Dracula? Nope. Okay. Uh, there's no Belmonts here at all, my friend. Uh, this time, you... Uh, okay, you're playing a kind of Belmont-adjacent character named John Morris. Or you can also play as his friend, Eric Lacard. And you go off to stop Dracula again. It's it's a Castlevania game. It's just on Genesis. Okay. Uh, Contra Hardcore. Holy shit! Two Nintendo franchises are now on Genesis. Wow, they're breaking the breaking the ties. And what's kind of cool about this one was you had four playable characters, and it was better received than uh, Bloodlines. So much so that it actually got it became its own spin-off franchise. And there's I think three or four games in the hardcore franchise universe, which honestly. I like this one. I think people kind of give it shit because it was on Genesis more than anything else. Yeah, not because of game quality? No, not because of game quality. Because traders, man! If they actually played it, they would have liked it. Let's see. Eternal Champions. Have you heard of this one? Yes, I've played this one. This is on Genesis, correct? Yes, it is. It's a Sega's attempt to make Mortal Kombat. But it's like a time travel sort of a storyline where you have fights from all over time doing battle. Instead of having like character specific finishing moves, there were stage fatalities. You know so what? Really I don't I don't think I have played this. I thought this was a gauntlet style game, so I must be thinking of something else. No no no. This is a standard fighting you know, fairly standard fighting game. But you know, 
of all the finishing moves, the one I can remember the most was there's a stage, I think you're in the future, and there's like a giant fan in the background, and you would knock, knock your opponent into the fan and get chopped up. Ooh. Yeah, it, like I said, they tried very hard to be Mortal Kombat. It's, the game's fine, and that's about the best I'll say about it. <laughs> Let's see, uh, The Lion King. Oh my god, it was continuing the trend of really great Genesis Disney adaptations. So beautiful to look at. This bastard game was made, it was made extra hard so that it couldn't be beaten in a single rental period. Honestly, I, I don't think it was that good. I think it looks nice. It looks really good and they have nice sound. But overall, I mean, just take, taking the obscene difficulty curve out of it. Yeah. I don't think this one was as good a game. Oh, Aladdin's the best. Aladdin is probably the pinnacle before, what we got like Chippendale before that, which is probably the next best, but uh, DuckTales, yeah. Yeah, DuckTales, I mean, yeah, there's better Disney games. Yeah, you said DuckTales, Chippendale, uh, Castle of Illusion. I mean, there's there are far better games than, than this one in general, but yeah, this is mostly just known because it was a pain in the ass to, to beat, and it was by design. Let's see. How about RoboCop versus Terminator? God, how I wish for this fucking movie. <laughs> Both franchises have petered out. Can we just have this already, please? Well, it's like it was loosely based off the comic, and yeah, you're RoboCop, and you're there to shoot Terminator. I don't think the comic's very good. I know it's legendary, and it's Frank Miller. I don't think it's very good. Oh, no, it's a crap comic. Yeah. Thank you. I was just wondering if I was crazy. No, how about we do a quick comic stop? Frank Miller isn't that good. Yeah. He's done he's done some very good things that do not overshadow the tons and tons of bullshit that he has written. Yeah, it's it's like uh he's more known for his like, oh, breakthrough visual style and you know, like, oh he's doing this, that's really mature. Not so much I mean, I even find Dark Knight uh returns kinda hard to sit through now. Oh, it's I think I respect it more for its what it was at the time more so than anything else about it because it's ugly to look at. It's an ugly story. Yeah. It's, it, there's nothing good in it, but it's been adapted very well as those two that two part uh, animated film. But the game, come on, bro. That, that's a really uh, that case alone is appealing. <laughs> um, but the Robocop versus Terminator the game is one of the best. Like, there's a good Terminator game that came out. I can't remember if there was a good RoboCop game that came out, but this one is tops. I do like the Terminator 2 arcade game with the, the gun. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, okay, I don't remember if I mentioned this on the previous show, but Super Street Fighter 2 came out for the arcades. It's Street Fighter 2 with four more characters. It came out for the Genesis and Super Nintendo this year. So, so yeah, so it's just a real quick patch to keep people playing the game. Yeah, I get the, the four added characters are really cool. I really like the DJ and Fei Long, and Cammy was very well known for uh, her ending uh, the her what is it uh, final pose. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Where you get to see her thong. Uh, anywho, uh, Shaq Fu. <laughs> we joke about this all the time fuck <laughs> yes people Shaquille O'Neal had a fucking video game and, it, and it's not a basketball game like Michael Jordan had this is a fucking fighting game in which Shaq ends up in another, in another dimension where he has to save a kid from an evil mummy with fighting <laughs> not an epic not an epic basketball match or anything Fucking kung fu and karate. Nineteen ninety four was like the year of Shaq. He had Blue Chips, which is his first studio film. He had a rap record, and he had a video game. That is wild. But I would say that Shaq gets more sponsorships now <laughs> in his fifties than he did back then. Dude, this game blows. This is like this is garbage on the level of E. T. Oh wow! I didn't know. I've never played it. No, it is. Oh, God, it's so bad. And then, a couple of years ago, someone 
financed a sequel through Indiegogo. Oh boy. And guess what? That sequel fucking sucks too. No, I figured. I was going to say, if you're going to tell me it's a good game now, I'm like, well, what happened? Yeah, surprise, surprise. A game that no one wanted, yet somehow managed to find some backers on on a uh, site like that. Okay, we're going to move on to Nintendo. It's going to be awesome from there. Uh, Super Punch-Out came out, which is a much closer adaptation to the original arcade version. Yeah, of I was going to say, yeah. I mean, you're still Little Mac, and you're still fighting a bunch of crazy ethnic stereotypes. Do you have the wireframe in the new one? It wasn't wireframe, but it was it was still see-through, but it was basically, if you took a screenshot and set them side by side, they're virtually identical. Okay. You know, it's, it is the closest that it's ever gotten, even with, like, the uh, Wii version of Punch-Out that came out a couple of years back. This is the closest that it's ever been to the actual arcade port. Which is, you know, not saying much because it's been like a decade since the original game, game came out by this point. So, advances in video games can do that. Uh, Demon's Crest. I don't know this one. Okay. Have you heard of the, the game series Gargoyle's Quest? Yes. Oh, is it a sequel? This is the third game in that franchise. Okay. Which is funny, because this is also a spinoff of Ghosts and Goblins. Wow, that's a long-lasting franchise. Yeah, because uh, the articular character is the is a enemy from Ghosts and Goblins. But then they decide to make a hero franchise out of it. Is it as brutal as Ghosts and Goblins, dear lord? It is, uh, but it's a lot more entertaining than, than those games are. It's like a blend of RPG and Metroidvania elements. Uh, you're basically a... Uh, you're going out trying to get these elemental crests to stop the bad guy from doing bad things. And they have, like, four different endings. One of which you can only get after, like, completing the game and getting the best ending. And then going and finding a secret boss to get this additional ultra ending. And it's, like, really fucking hard to do this. And I bring this one up because, yeah, the Gargoyles Quest series, eh, you don't really have to mention. But this one was a solid title. Like, I think there's a good reason why they just removed Gargoyles Quest anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay. Super Metroid. Like Doom 2, it's everything that made all the games, previous games good, turned up to 11. I have never played it. Metroid, I played Metroid a few times, but it was so it was just way too hard for me. Oh, this one is, if not harder, then at least comparably difficult. But everything about it is, it looks good, it plays good. You actually feel like you're accomplishing something. Like, this is the pinnacle, I think, of the Metroid franchise. I know people like the little first-person shooter ones, but this is everything that that franchise... There's a reason why they're going back to doing these style games in the current run. Okay. It's because this is why... This is the sort of game that people like from, from Metroid, really. Right, I know they play with the format quite a bit. Yeah, I... If, if you've got a, a current-gen Nintendo console... You can get this. You can play this thing for free, pretty much. Oh, cool. Uh, Earthbound. What a game that is considered one of the greatest games of all time, and yet so sold so poorly in the States. Yeah, it's so weird. Well, it seemed like one of those that grew over the years. And you think they would have re-released in some... Well, they probably have a digital now, I'm assuming. Didn't they do it on the, uh, the anniversary version of the Super Nintendo? Not an anniversary version, but it is actually available again on the Nintendo Virtual Console. Yeah, I remember the cartridge, though. It was like, oh, it's $100 now. Ooh, oh, boy. And that was years and years ago. Yeah, and that's the thing. is, It, it sold badly because it had a really terrible marketing campaign, which was kind of built around the game's sardonic humor. Yeah. And it would say, it'd say things like, this game stinks. 
Oh, I, I mean, I remember it on the back of some comic books, but I don't remember what the the actual marketing itself. I just remember the ad. Yeah, and that's the thing. Is this game had this really childish art style, and the humor was really wonky, but this game was really fucking dark and depressing, too. Like, this was a pretty mature RPG hidden behind all this, like, goofy, kitty-looking shit. I mean, if I remember right, this is the game where the image of the final boss is a distorted, screaming face. Yeah. And it's actually like a fetus or something. Yeah. Like, seriously, this game is fucked up. <laughs> I could be I could be mixing the, the fetus thing with the, with the following game of the franchise, but I seem to remember something like that in this one. But, yeah, this, this is a game that people seem to know now, at least current generation kids only know because he's that weird there's that weird fighter in the Smash Brothers game called Ness. Don't know where he's from, but he's a little fighting kid. Hmm. Let's see, uh Mega Man X came out. Oh, I love this one. I love Mega Man X more than the original Mega Man. I know that's probably sacrilege, but I just do. Nope, nope, it is the better it's the better franchise. It is the better game. Okay. I thought I was crazy. <laughs> yeah, you are X and you have to stop the evil replicants. I mean, Riploid Mavericks from killing innocent people. Uh, it basically, it's, it's every other Mega Man game ever made in that, that you have a character, you know, your enemy selects green, you go to that stage, you fight to the, fight to the end, you get the guys in power, then you use that against the, another person's weakness. You know, standard shit. Big differences was that Mega Man X had an actual story. And plot progression. Well, I just I think the graphic design was better. I don't think it's as hard as Mega Man. Uh, I don't know. I just I I would if you show me one or the other, I'm gonna go, yeah X. I'll take X. Yeah, yeah. It it definitely looked a hell of a lot better. And yes, it is Super Nintendo over Nintendo graphics. Obviously, you're gonna have a a better looking game. But no, I mean, so. God, how do I say this? It, in the actual design of the characters, oh, I prefer. Yeah, no, but- world is more complete there's yeah. an actual there's actual thought to, to what they were doing like i said this actually had story to it Mega Man's all the Mega Man stories is dr wiley doing stuff stop him this is oh there's actual interactions with the end boss and your character throughout portions of this game and you have proto man and shit like that that you're dealing with and it's like Shit, you can find the Fireball and Dragon Punch from Street Fighter 2 in this game if you're good enough. Yeah, this, this, is the, this is the best Mega Man game, hands down. Game or franchise? Well, both. Okay. But even, even of its own franchise, Mega Man X is still the best game of I can't remember what I played on the... I had a PS2, and I think it was like uh, Mega Man X Tactics or something like that. I really like that one. Don't know that one. I, I might be making X- that up, but it was on the PS2. <laughs> well, they had like, let's see, back for PS2, what a, God, because I know, might have been 7 for PS2. Anyway, uh, Donkey Kong Country. What a groundbreaking, game-changing, it, it, it put Nintendo back on the map because they were struggling for a couple years against Genesis and didn't, I feel like something was unique about Rare. Like something that was going to be bought by another company and they changed their mind and Nintendo said, hoo-hoo, our, our chance. Am I wrong? I did not follow on to that end of it too much, but uh, yeah, this is this is Rare doing the best work of their entire... Like, Rare's made some amazing game. This, I think, is like the showstopper. This is the one that... You put if you're putting like a highlight reel together, this is the thing that you save to the end because holy shit, at the time especially, it's still now. This thing was mind blowing. The fact that you had this the pre rendered graphics that gave you this illusion of full on three D models in this in this game uh-huh. still really hasn't been done well since. Even the other games in the franchise don't look as good as this game. And they sunk, and I know they definitely sunk some money into uh, the second one of these. The uh, Rare did Killer Instinct, correct? Yes. Okay, okay. 
Just check. Because it seems like that was the next level from whatever they were doing in that game is what they did in Donkey Kong Jr. Or Donkey Kong Country. A yeah. dead character, by the way. A character no one cared about in more than a decade. Yeah, and... Yeah, it's like you play Donkey Kong and then his friend, brother, Twink Lover. <laughs> no, I honestly, no, it, it's like he's a family member. But then again, it's like they also end up trying to explain this Donkey Kong is Donkey Kong Jr. And the old man Donkey Kong that's there, Cranky Kong or whatever his damn name was, uh-huh. that, that was the actual Donkey Kong from... Oh, all right. I didn't know that. I watched the cartoon a little bit. I remember that being pretty good, but uh, I never really remember much of the story. I I knew there was a cartoon. I never saw that. Now, last thing, one of my top, I guess it's it's my number one favorite game of all time, but then it's also shared with another one that will come out in the following year. But Final Fantasy VI. I have never played Final Fantasy. You think I would have at one time, but nope. I've seen seven played, but I've never actually played it myself. Well, if you have, you have your, your little thing. Yeah. It might be my little thing. Final what are you Fantasy talking about? <laughs> it might be listed as Final Fantasy three because that's how it was released in the state. Oh, okay. But this is the best. Seriously, this is the best game, hands down. Best cast of characters, best combat and magic system. And the best fucking music. This is a game, and spoiler alert for a 30-year-old game, this is a game where the villain wins. Oh, wow. Kefka sets out to become a god and destroy the world. Guess what Kefka does? He becomes a god and destroys the world. That's wild. The second half of this game is you having to find all your characters from, you know, from fucking up so royally. You have to go travel the world Find your, get all your people back together to try and fix your mistake. Like, none of these games have done anything like this. This is a, seriously, this game has moments that tear out your heart. Wow. Like, uh, at one point, there's a, uh, one of your characters uh, is from, I, I don't remember the kingdom, but he's off uh, doing something with, because uh, you get, a moment where your character split off into three different stories. And in one of these, you go to this castle and uh, the villains poison everybody and kill the, you know, kill everybody in the castle. Later on, you're with that character whose family has been poisoned and killed. You're in a uh, ghost train in the af- that's going to the afterlife and he has his family going past him as he's, you know, seeing his dead, you know, his dead wife and child, and he can't do anything about it. And you're just going, damn, man. Yeah, that's some cold-blooded. <laughs> I didn't expect that. <laughs> I, like, I don't know really any of the the stories from this, except for, like, what I... Uh, I watched the movie, that Spirits Within or whatever, but apparently it's not even connected to that world. I don't understand the whole franchise. It seems like it jumps around in time a lot. Yeah, well, they're all their own... They're pretty much their own worlds and stories. They started to kind of build a singular world starting, I think it's with 12. Okay. 12 ended up being also the world that's, I think, in the Final Fantasy online game. And I think it pops up every now and then. So, like, Ivalice, I think, is the... That, I think, started in 12. But for the most part, yeah, these games are their own little separate worlds. So, you know, you get a single, you have a character named Sid who pops up in all of them, but he's always a different type of person. So it's like in one, in seven, he's a playable character. In another game, he's just a kindly old man you meet in the forest. And in the movie, he's a scientist and shit like that. Hmm. You know, it's just, just a running, you know, just a running theme. Uh, I think there's also... In the English translations, they add Biggs and Wedge from Star from Star. <laughs> it's just random characters that you'll run into, good or evil. But that is me running through a whole bunch of games because there's a lot of shit that we could have talked about, like Shadowrun or Echo Two, all kinds of stuff. 
keep going. I mean, if you have others, I mean, we're only at 45 minutes. <laughs> Well, how about Wing Commander 3 back on PC? Just Is that the one where they spent a crap ton of money and got, like, real actors? Like, Malcolm oh, McDowell yeah. and Mark Hamill and Mark Cascos? Yes. Yes, that is the game. Uh, Mark Hamill, uh, Malcolm McDowell, uh, Biff from uh, Back to the Future. Can't, can't think of the guy's name. He's apparently really, really Damn it. Uh, Tom Wilson, that's it. Yeah, yeah it's a uh, full-motion video game had two different endings based on choices that you make and it it was really fucking good like Wing Commander 2 is kind of a soft bud of a game uh huh Wing Commander 3 really does pick the franchise up sadly Wing Commander 4 kind of drops the ball once again what year was 4? I'm pretty sure it was 95 okay I'm just trying to wonder because you know the peak of popularity had clearly died by the time the movie had come out because well first off it's a shit movie but b it's like oh well i guess you guys are a couple years late on this one yeah the movie was an attempt to try to revitalize the the series because you had four and then there was privateer and i think maybe privateer two and that by that point was also the film and they're like Please, someone like this, so yeah. we can make more. Well, I remember 94, 95 was kind of like the peak PC years for me and my uh, best friend. He mostly, he had a much better computer than I did, so he was playing like, you know, Full Throttle and Mist and uh, like the Seventh Guest or something like that, and Phantasmagoria or something like that. And, oh, yeah. you know, I, the best I could do was like, you know, Doom, and that was it. Every time we would rent a game from Video Connection, uh, we tried to install it, and it was a it was just a disaster because my computer was never strong enough or they, they lost part of the instructions. I, that, but I remember, like, PC really took over for a few years for us. Yeah, I had a friend like that who had, had a PC with, they could play all the games, so I got to see, like, Matt Warrior and stuff like that as well. Yeah. But then it changed in uh, 95, 96. Uh, at that point, we were at college, and then nobody had, a, like, a really high-end computer. So everybody just had consoles. So in the PlayStation, had really taken off from multiplayer kind of competitive stuff, and that's like that basically just killed it for us with PC. Yeah, that's that's kind of it's like once you start having the games on CD for your home console, kind of made it less special for PC gaming. Yeah, I feel like the last game I played on the PC was Age of Wonders, which was like two thousand, which was basically Red Alert uh, or not? What is it? Command and Conquer Red Alert. But, like, you know, sword and sorcery age. Okay. Well, since I have more notes, I do have notes on it, I will at least just do the last one. Okay. Echo the Tides of Time. Which, uh, Echo 2, it's a lot of the same, same gameplay as in the first one. But this time, even though you killed the big, weird, xenomorph alien creature in <laughs> the last one, the, she's, she's back... And she's now messing with the world through time. So you have to jump in, jump into an Atlantean time machine and go back in time to stop her. I've played Echo, but apparently I only played like the first couple levels because I had no idea that was the end of the first game. Yeah, it, Echo the Dolphin goes off in a weird fucking, uh, weird fucking direction at the end of it. Yeah, that's, that's then, not what I expected at all. And then this one goes off even more so because in the... If it's in the future, dolphins can fly. <laughs> okay, what? <laughs> and, I, oh god, what else? I can't remember what else. It, it was, I remember just going, I, I can't do this. <laughs> this. This is too much for me. I just want to swim around in the ocean and hit sharks with my nose. Yeah, it, it seemed like it was pretty simple in the first one, but that's, yeah, it sounds too complicated. Was it a hit? I feel like that was it, the end of the franchise, wasn't it? It wasn't the end of it. Uh, they, they were going to make a third one, which didn't happen. It became Echo Jr. Okay. And then years later, they did do a third one that was complete total failure. Was it for that the Intellivision Amico? <laughs> no, that probably would have been more... Uh, that probably might have been better received than uh, what they put out. 
Wow, really? Okay, so considering it's like, we, the only reason I bring that up is because we talked about Earthworm Jim earlier, and there was supposed to be an Earthworm Jim on the Amico, and the people who are the owners of Earthworm Jim are like, "We're doing what now? I we, we don't set, we haven't signed any contract. That he just took video of a demo that we were shopping around. What the fuck?" <laughs> oh, but again, there's a lot of stuff. Like even with the, the Earthworm Jim one, a lot of, a lot of games could have been better than Earthworm Jim 3D. Yeah, I mean, well, we're also talking at the point... Earthworm Jim is difficult for me. I do try to separate the creator or the artist from the art or whatever. Jim Mafood is a really great comic book writer, artist or whatever, designed really great video games. Total piece of shit. Absolute hideous piece of shit. And that's why Earthworm Jim had to be sold off to someone else because no one wanted to deal with him anymore. Was that Mafood or was that someone else? I, Not Mafood. I'm sorry. That's uh, that's the guy who did the Clerks comic. Who the fuck am I thinking of? Who created yeah, everything? I, I, definitely, I can't remember the guy's name, and I'm like, I do remember that, though. With, I'm going to look so it I, up. Oh, shit. son of a bitch. Earthworm Jim was created by Not... Yeah, Jim Mafood. I don't know. I feel bad. I just I just said his name wrong. Yeah, yeah I'm sitting there wondering about that. I'm going... Did he have something to do with it? Really? No, Jim? I'm being a, a Doug Ten Naple. How the fuck did they combine those two idiot? That's dumb. I'm embarrassed. Ah, you should feel bad. I should. I'm ashamed. We should end the episode now before I do it again. Um. Yes. So, anything you want to plug before we go? Uh, nothing at the moment. Okay. Well, that is it, everybody. Uh, before I embarrass myself anymore. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> have a good one, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.